Hi and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. On this episode, we're joined by Rebecca Johnson. Rebecca is a graduating senior from the University of Pittsburgh who plans a career in journalism. She's currently editor-in-chief of the Pitt News in her final days as that, overseeing a staff of 18 editors and 150 contributors. She's also done a number of internships, a few locally, one in Austin, Texas, that I'm particularly curious about. Hey, Rebecca, thanks for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me so much. So what is your journalism origin story? Yeah, so it's actually kind of funny. I've been thinking about this a lot because, you know, this is our last week of production at the Pitt News. So when I came to Pitt as a freshman, I was a biology pre-med major. So I definitely really did not plan on pursuing journalism at all. I had worked a little bit at my high school newspaper. It really wasn't a newspaper in like any sense of the word, but I always liked writing in general. And you know, my family was the type that they watched the evening news every night and we got the newspaper in the mail. So I, I had always kind of like respected the craft of journalism. And I also really liked the television show Gilmore Girls. And if you've ever watched this show, the main character, she's horribly problematic in so many different ways, but she was a journalist, even though she was a terrible one. And I thought her job looked really cool. So when I saw the Pitt News's table at our activities fair, I decided to join and like give it a try and see if I liked it. And when I started reporting, I obviously really loved it and I wanted to get more involved at the Pit News. So yeah, that's how I started out. You are not the first person to tell me that Rory Gilmore inspired their journalism career. All right, so give us a little background on where you're from, your family, your heritage, framed around the question of how those contributed to you perhaps wanting to be a storyteller eventually. Mm-hmm. So I'm from a very, very small town in Western Pennsylvania that's about, I would say like about an hour and a half from Pittsburgh. My parents grew up in that area as well, so I I guess I have pretty deep roots there. And where I'm from, you know, it's Appalachia. And I think I saw, especially during when Donald Trump originally ran for president in 2016, that there were kind of like a lot of misinformation and maybe stereotypes about people from the area and especially when I read national news I think it kind of gave off the idea sometimes that people from this area are stupid or misinformed and I think the reality is a lot more complicated than that and the town I'm from is also right by Shanksville Pennsylvania which is where flight 93 went down and I think I saw being from Pennsylvania which is a swing state in general but also being from near Shanksville, that a lot of politicians would always visit the area kind of when they were running for election, but it felt like this area was a little bit more neglected when it wasn't an election year, right? So I think I was inspired to kind of tell stories about this area and make sure that, you know, someone is paying attention. What town are you from? I'm from Rockwood, Pennsylvania. Gotcha. So you're what I would call a school newspaper lifer, a college newspaper lifer. I have a lot of respect for that. You started as a freshman, as you said, you told the story there. Now you're the editor in chief. And I'm curious, what are the highlights of your experience with the Pitt News? 
Yeah. So I guess kind of the first thing, you know, like I said, I, like you just mentioned too, I joined when I was a freshman, but one of like the first stories or topics I covered where I think I saw that journalism is kind of a public service and not just like something I was doing for fun <laughs> was we at the Pitt News, we did a one-year commemoration on the Tree of Life massacre in Pittsburgh. And, you know, the Tree of Life synagogue is like five minutes from Pitt's campus. So it obviously affected a lot of students and, um, you know, staff and faculty, like even some people on our staff attended that synagogue. So like covering that made me want to not just be doing like these random stories that I just you know, did for fun and actually want to become an editor and to help like lead the paper one day. I guess some other things during COVID, that was obviously a really crazy time at the newspaper. I remember our advisor saying that he thought we would struggle to find content, which was completely wrong. I think that was the most content we have ever published, probably in the history of the Pit News. I don't know if that's true or not, so don't fact check me on it, but one of the stories I remember covering during that time was there was new rules from ICE that um, might have potentially kicked international students out of the country if we had online classes. So I kind of covered like the whole iteration of that, you know, like what students felt like when these rules, when Pitt released a statement, like kind of going against ICE's proposed rules, and then eventually when ICE backtracked on these rules. So covering that whole thing from start to finish was kind of um, something that I remember. We also did a lot of accountability reporting during COVID. During COVID, we also did a lot of accountability reporting. I remember one story, for instance, we were able to find the first student who was diagnosed with COVID at Pitt and tell his story. He didn't really have a great experience with the university, I would say, like a lot of his belongings were broken and he couldn't find an area basically to quarantine in. And that story kind of covering it, the university actually ended up paying him back for his stuff. So that was kind of nice to see like something good maybe come out of our reporting. Yeah, we've also you know, being in Pittsburgh, we get to see all the presidential candidates come, and that's really interesting to see what every, what all of them think and to see them speak to students and, you know, maybe hear students' concerns. Um, You know, and also working at the paper beyond, like, the stories and things like that. I have also gotten to work with so many, you know, talented people across four years and being here for four years. You know, some people change every year, but some people stay the same. And even, like, some of the people, for example, like the managing editor this year is someone who I hired when she was a freshman and so is the news editor. So it's been really nice to, you know, I've like met a lot of my best friends at the Pit News. So that's awesome. And I think it's interesting because if you go to a college newspaper, you can kind of go in a few different directions and you can cover, certainly there are a lot of fun things to cover. And there's certainly a, a place for that. You seem to have gone very, very much in the direction of covering hard news, whether it's the COVID story, the tree of life, as you said, or some of the recent things you've done. I'm looking at, at some recent headlines. You covered the new chancellor and her rather large salary. There have been very recently some controversial guest speakers that have come to campus. And then I noticed something that was 
really a theme throughout the year for the Pitt News coverage of sexual assaults on campus. A lot of this, including editorials, as well as news coverage, and more recently, piece about the need for better communication during potential emergencies. What what got you to, to hard news? That's always kind of the topics I've gravitated towards a little bit more. I I really see a value in journalism and that you can, you know, tell people what's going on and especially accountability journalism, you know, and making sure the university doesn't go unchecked. I think that's really important. And I also think as students, we can tell these stories better or more comprehensively than professional news outlets. You know, I think being in Pittsburgh, it's it's a good thing that there's a lot of higher education reporters in the area who are also covering Pitt. Um, um, so, you know, we're competing against professionals, but I think a lot of times we have the sources and the background information that they don't, if that makes sense. Sure, absolutely. And you, you, you're editor-in-chief this year. What are some of the tough decisions that you've had to make about coverage with regards to what you've written and what others have written? Yeah, so one of the stories you mentioned was the recent conservative speakers who, you know, a lot of students call them transphobic. And I think, I think covering this was really difficult and that it pushed against the idea of what a objectivity is you know as students were taught in journalism that we have to be you know quote like as objective as possible in reporting but it's sometimes difficult because it's not I don't think it's biased to say that trans people deserve respect or that you know trans people that being transgender is a an identity and not an ideology so for example, what do you do when, uh, like, someone in a story purposely misgenders someone? You know, those conversations have been really difficult and kind of being fair in stories is something that we've really struggled with. And it is hard to talk about because I don't want to say, you know, the wrong thing, but we're constantly at the pit news just trying to be as fair as we possibly can, even maybe when the traditional idea of objectivity is impossible. Yeah. It's certainly very challenging, and especially for someone that is essentially learning as as they go, as, as would be the case for college students at a, a daily newspaper. What about you had to make a decision to stop printing at a plant because of the Post-Gazette strike, right? Yeah, so when the Post-Gazette originally went on strike, their production workers went on strike first. So that kind of forced us to stop printing there anyway. And we had moved to another plant at the Butler Eagle. And, you know, we had some concerns with the Butler Eagle printing the Post-Gazette while they were on, while their workers were on strike. Um, and we decided, you know, jointly, like it wasn't just me who decided this. It was like our editorial workers, our business workers, and our professional staff. We decided that it was a better decision to take our business elsewhere. Yeah. So among other things that you did this past 
school year, you released diversity, equity, and inclusion plans for the newspaper. I'm involved in DE&I with the company that I work for. So I'm curious, what did you do and what did that entail? Yeah, so it was a few years ago, the Pitt News published an article. And in that article, it talked about really the stunningly low number of Black students at Pitt. I believe there was about 5% of the undergraduate student body in 2019 was Black. And so at that time, we kind of were reflecting internally that we needed to also change as a student news organization to be more reflective of the diverse you know, Pitt community and Pittsburgh generally. I believe about 25 to 30% of the city is Black. So we wanted to represent that statistic a little bit more. So we formed an inclusion committee in 2020. But, you know, it's kind of difficult to come up with concrete plans or initiatives when you don't have a budget and we're not like experts in this area. Yep. So we were able to partner with the American Press and American Press Institute and the Pittsburgh Black Media Federation, and they helped us come up with a comprehensive plan to how we can be more inclusive and more diverse, and also how we can keep these plans moving forward. You know, student newspapers are really, the leadership is really transient. Like, I'm only going to be editor-in-chief for a year. And so they helped us come up with plans that we could pass along to future editors. That's great. And did it work out well? Yeah, I mean, we're still implementing a lot of this stuff now. We just came up with this plan last semester, so it's pretty new. But we're trying to, for example, like build more relationships with clubs or organizations on campus, you know, come up with more recruitment efforts for when we hire people in the fall. Also, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention, but the Pitt News does publish daily. We're a daily newspaper. We have one print edition a week. Yeah, so it is a lot of work, but... We're hoping to keep it going. Well, I won't. I won't be here, but hopefully the next group of editors will keep it going. Is there a story or project that you've worked on in whether it be this particular year or, you know, at the the full time that you've been there where the story of how it went from initial idea and maybe it was just a kernel of, of something to finished product is particularly compelling? Yeah. So this wasn't really an investigative story per se. But actually, about a week ago, we had a a hoax active shooter threat at Pitt. And, you know, the Pitt News office is basically located across the street from our library, which was where the hoax shooter threat was. So we kind of saw, you know, dozens of police officers rush in, you know, hundreds of students were pouring outside of the library. Like, it was, people did not know it was a hoax at the time, you know, like they were jumping over like a ramp on the side of the building to get out. It was obviously a really scary situation. And a lot of students criticized Pitt during this hoax threat because it took them more than an hour to send out an emergency notification to students. So that that was, you know, like the breaking news story. But following that, like our paper has done a lot of reporting on to like, the timetable of how this threat went, how long exactly it took Pitt to set out an emergency alert, um, what their decision-making was during that time and why they did not send one out and kind of their plans for the future. And I've been really proud of all of the work we've done for this because students, 
were understandably very concerned. And I think we've been following the story really well and trying to keep people as like up to date on what's going on as possible. What's your relationship been like with the university leadership? I think our relationship is pretty good for the most part. You know, we always try to ask them hard questions. And I think for the most part, Pitt gives us better access than other universities do. Like, for example, we get to interview the chancellor every semester. And I know that's something that other student newspapers can't do or don't get the opportunity to do. So I'm really fortunate that Pitt lets us do that. Um, but obviously it can be, you know, very, a little bit adversarial at times, especially with something like these emergency alerts, because, you know, even though the university has admitted that they did something wrong and that their system is faulty, I don't, I would venture to say that they probably don't want all of the, all of the decision-making details out in the public, but, you know, that's our job. So we've Certainly. been trying to do that. So on a lighter note, I was going through your social media and I saw a reference to something. And when I clicked on it, I was like, this is so for me. This is like totally for me. What silhouettes? Oh, silhouettes are, I think, the absolute best thing that the Pit News does. It's it's where we try to profile, I guess, like the hidden gems at Pit, like the people who might not be like the newsmakers, like they're not the student government board president or the president of the university. They're the people that work in the dining halls or, you know, the security officers on campus or someone who runs like a local theater company. Yeah, so we try to find people like this. We get input from our community through like Google surveys and things like that. And we write these pretty in-depth features on these people. And they're really fun. You get to we get to meet so many new people and interview so many people that we don't normally get to. So, yeah. What's a cool one that you've done? The ones I've done are not, are a little bit more serious. A couple years ago, we did a very long, like a very, very long silhouette on the Black Action Society because they had done a lot of advocacy on campus in light of the George Floyd murder. I also did one on a student who was working to prevent, you know, sexual harassment and sexual assault on campus. And I also did one on a student who was petitioning the university to have a mandatory Black Studies class for students. Wow. Okay. So that that's impressive that, that you've stuck to the again kind of it, it falls in the, the vein of the hard news and the other things and advocacy and things of that sort how do you balance a day in the life of being an editor-in-chief with a day in the life of being a student I I don't know <laughs> I balance it very well I usually wake up super late and when you sent the question about like what does the day look and I was like my day usually doesn't start till 11 when I have snoozed my alarm about 50 times <laughs> um, but then you know, during the day, I just go to classes like every other student does. Our work mostly starts after like 6 p.m. It's like 6 to 1 a.m. Um, you know, we work Sunday through Thursdays. Yeah, so it's mo it's mostly at night unless there's breaking news. But during the day, it's pretty much just like every other student. So internships, certainly an integral part of the college student experience. What ones have you done? We'll, we'll take the Austin American Statesman ones separate. Are there others you've done that have furthered your journalism work experience? Yeah, I did an internship at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette 
two summers ago. And this was really like the first time I had worked in an environment that wasn't my college <laughs> news environment. So it, this internship, definitely, I learned so I learned a lot more about Western Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh. And I also, because I was covering like general news, I got to cover a ton of topics. I did stories about the environment and breaking news and politics. So Austin, Texas is your other one that was pretty big, the Austin American Statesman. How did that one happen for you? Basically, I applied to like a hundred internships and that, and they just gave me a chance. So I'm really grateful they gave me a chance, but I didn't have like a special connection or anything like that. No, that's fantastic. That that shows the value of doing something like that. When I was in college, when I was graduating, I applied for a hundred things that were a large number, a comparably large number. So that's great. What was the transition like going from Pittsburgh to, to Austin, Texas? The main thing is that Austin is really, really hot. And that does not really relate to reporting at all. But it was like 110 degrees there. And I have never lived somewhere where it was that hot. And I even like our air conditioning was on 80. And I that was not a great environment for me at all. But um, Austin was a really great city, other than the heat. Gotcha. So you got to cover some very impressive things because quite frankly, something happened there that was tragic for which there was considerable aftermath, and that's the Valde school shootings. You covered education and school safety. You did some intense stories. You were on team coverage on whether the police could be held liable in the shootings. You were the lead writer on a story about protests in Austin when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. You covered a wave of teacher resignations in the city. What was that work experience like? So when I was in Austin, most of the work I did was on education. You know, they kind of just had an opening in that area. So I volunteered to do it while I, while I was there. And, you know, while I wasn't really super interested in education before, I am now really interested in it because I think, you know, public education is so important and politics and the environment, they everything basically intersects with education, I think. And you mentioned the Uvalde massacre, and obviously that was horrible. And, you know, I went once to Uvalde for a story I was covering. And, you know, you can obviously tell, like, there's a lot of pain there. And, you know, the parents and community, not only did they have to experience the trauma of, you know, a school mass shooting, but they also had to, you know, learn about the failed police response and, you know, I think it's pretty re-traumatizing to have to keep hearing about this bad news about your town over and over again. So obviously I feel horrible for the people there. Um, but a lot of the stuff I covered was kind of, you know, like the aftermath of the shooting and how schools are working to become more safe and whether those policies are effective or not. Like, for example, one thing I covered was whether school hardening is effective, according to experts. So basically that means just hiring more security guards or, you know, having metal detectors. And, you know, experts say for the most part, it's not super effective. So I covered that and also, you know, how much money schools are getting to enact these hardening policies and what they're spending it on, things like that. And overall, the internship experience, is there anything you'd recommend to someone who was doing similar? Um, I think don't be afraid to try out something new. 
like I really didn't think I was interested in education, but I did it and I got to cover a lot of stories that I don't think I would have gotten to cover somewhere else just because they had an opening in that area. Yeah, so just trying new things. Did it shape what you wound up doing in the last year in Pitt? I think it gives you, I think Texas is very different than Pennsylvania in some way. So I think it does provide like helpful context, if that makes sense. Like Roe v. Wade and the aftermath of it being overturned is a little bit different in Texas than it is in Western Pennsylvania, for example, because here kind of the main story is that, you know, the abortion clinics in Pittsburgh are kind of being overwhelmed with the amount of patients because they're taking care of so many people. Whereas in Texas, the story was that abortion is illegal and people are having to go to different states. So I think it is helpful having that context of what it's like in different places. With that in mind, that leads right into a question that we've got here, or a question that I typically ask here. How has being a journalist impacted how you view the world? I think it's made me view things in a more nuanced way. Like, you know, the way social media is set up is that you either see things you really, really agree with or you really, really disagree with. And I think good journalism really doesn't feed into the idea that there's always a right or wrong answer. I think things are a little bit more complicated than that. And I think working as a journalist has also shown me that. So you're graduating. You may you may graduate by the time this this interview airs. Where are you headed next? I will be doing a six-month internship at the Chicago Tribune. So I start that in July. And it's colder there than, than it is in Austin, Texas, for sure. <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> um, Austin well, is a great city. I don't I maybe I shouldn't have even said that, but it's got, it's a great city. <laughs> no, understood. What what will you be doing for the trip? I'll mostly be doing breaking news, but also some some reporting on the environment. Okay, so as someone who's entering the field, young woman, how do you view the opportunities that are, that are ahead for you? And in terms of both what is it available to you and what, in terms of what you want to do? You know, I'm obviously really excited to start at the Chicago Tribune. I won't lie, you know, the job market is a little bit scary. Even a lot today. scary. Yeah. I saw even today that BuzzFeed News is shutting down and yep. I like I personally love BuzzFeed News. So that's really sad. And it's just. You know, it's even I feel like the news outlets that young people really like the most, like BuzzFeed News, are just like kind of struggling to survive. The job market is scary. I am excited for journalism and I'm going to try to stay in it as long as I can. What would be your like dream job? The kind where someone pays me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you're oh, okay. As as you said before, keep an open mind, be willing to learn some things and do some things that you didn't already know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm most interested in, you know, politics and the environment or education maybe, but I won't be picky if someone is willing to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> what advice you, you gave advice on internships. What advice would you give for someone who's just beginning college as a journalism major this coming fall? And they say, I want to have the experience that she had. So at Pitt, we don't have a journalism major actually. And I think I would recommend not majoring in journalism. I think I learned the best lessons just from being a part of my college newspaper and you know, I, I'm an economics and political science major, and I think some of the 
some of the things I learned in economics helped in my reporting. And I think it also gives you, you know, maybe a backup career that you could pursue later in life of journalism if you don't always want to stay in journalism. But, you know, also I would say join your college newspaper, get involved, try new things. And yeah. School newspaper experience is is awesome. It's important. Certainly a big supporter. Some shout outs. Who were your best mentors and how have they helped you? Um, so kind of like I mentioned at Pitt, we don't have a journalism program. And so how we teach journalism is students teach, teach each other. So I do want to shout out John Moss and Mary Rose O'Donnell. They were the people who like originally hired me. And I had a lot of imposter syndrome and they told me that I can do this. And they also taught me, you know, how to write a lead and how to format a quote. So shout out to them. Harry Kloman, who is the, the former news advisor at the Pitt News, he just retired last semester, but he was a great mentor and a great teacher. And he's been so generous with his time, even though he retired last semester, I still talk to him pretty frequently and he's really helpful. And when I was in Austin, a reporter there, her name is Megan Menchaca. She was so helpful and she spent a lot of time that she didn't have helping me learn how to cover education and understand like the context of the school districts in Austin. Excellent. So the show is called The Journalism Salute. We salute you for your good work and we ask that you do likewise. Is there a journalist or journalism organization that you would like to salute for their good work beyond the ones that you just gave? Yeah, I do want to shout out Michigan State Student Newspaper. We've had the opportunity to work with them a little bit on an investigation, but, you know, beyond beyond that, they covered the, you know, mass shooting at their school in a way that I don't think national outlets could have. And I think they helped inform their community and the work they did was really like touching and great. The state news. Rebecca Johnson, thank you for taking the time to join us. Best of luck in your career. We'll be following you as you move forward. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at JournalismPod, and you can email us at JournalismSalute at gmail.com.